What we get here? Got here two two days ago, latish, about three hours behind Australia. In fact, one of the reasons we decided to come to Bangkok for these holidays is we're like, how far can we go during the school holidays? Because we've only got finite time and not be jet lagged and not spend too much time on the plane. So at least uh, at least coming to Thailand. It should have been easier than what it is. And I'm sure pre-COVID, I could have gone like direct from Brisbane to Bangkok would have been easy. Unfortunately, at the moment, a little bit like when we went to Queenstown in New Zealand uh, in the previous school holidays, we had to go from Brisbane to Sydney. And of course that gets delayed. And then the Bangkok one gets tight and then that got delayed. <laughs> so then it wasn't tight. So then Sydney to Bangkok. So for context, about an hour and a half from Brisbane down to Sydney. And then I think we were pushing about 10 hours from Sydney to Bangkok. So like it's in a world where so often we go to Europe and it's like two really, really, really long flights and then massive jet lag. This is actually pretty good. Actually pretty low friction. Mark, long time listener, first time listener, first time <laughs> live viewer. Good day. Thanks for joining. Let me jump into the mechanical things. I've got so many different devices like floating around here, <laughs> in part because I want to show you some cool stuff that I've been playing with for a while. Let me start with uh, the sponsor who, as listeners will know, needs no introduction, but we'll do it anyway. Collide, Collide is sponsor again this week. Thank you very much to Collide. Uh, putting your cross-platform fleet to 100% compliance, zero trust for Okta. Want to see for yourself? Book a demo, and I, I feel like I feel like the regular listeners could pretty much do this themselves, off the top of their head. <laughs> but for those of you just tuning in, just to recap on Clyde, Clyde ensures that if a device isn't secure, it can't access your app. It's made for all of the platforms. Let's see if I can do it off my head: Windows, Mac, Linux, iOS, Android. <laughs> I forgot that one. I'm, I'm an iPhone user. I do know that the Androids are out there. Achieving Zero Trust, designed for Okta, working on all of the platforms I just said, uh, including that big one which is used on so many mobile devices, which I forgot. So, big thank you to Collide for sponsoring this week's blog, video, and basically all of the TroyHunt.com things. Now, I was, uh, I was sitting there this morning going, what, what am I going to talk about? What content do I have? And I thought I'll... Originally, I thought there wasn't much, and then I, I sort of... I go back through my tweets, and it's like, what have I tweeted about? over the last week. And then I realized there was actually some really good stuff, including this device on the desk here, which I'm going to talk about in a moment, which is actually like super, super, super impressive. I'll start a little bit about Thailand though, because I'm traveling. It's interesting. If you've not been to Thailand before, it's, it is a very, very interesting place. Uh, now for, for context again, I said, look, this was sort of a, a, a good spot to come with the kids and the time we had. And there's sort of, a, I guess, a twofold reason, other than all the mechanical things about it being close time zones and everything, that we wanted to come here. Uh, and part of it is we took the kids to Singapore at Christmas on our way back from Europe, and it was the first time they'd been anywhere in Asia. Now, Charlotte's travelled to Asia a lot, including to, to Thailand a lot. I've travelled to, I think, most 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 of the common countries in Asia, most of the ones haven't been to like some of the more far out places like Mongolia or something. Um, but certainly yeah, China, Japan, Indonesia, obviously Thailand, Philippines, uh, several others, Malaysia, Taiwan. <laughs> and I lived in Singapore for three years. So I spent uh, the last few years of my teenage years, including graduating school, 
in Singapore. So for me, Asia is something that's, that's very, very familiar. And it was really good to take the kids to Singapore in Christmas. And it is so different to obviously Australia, but also they've spent a bunch of time in Europe and North America and many, many things there are familiar. Asia is very different, but Singapore is the least different. <laughs> Singapore is a very, very westernized expatriate country. It's a very, it's a very glossy version of Asia. Let's put it that way, very curated. I like spending time there, but it doesn't quite feel like most of the rest of Asia in terms of the, I guess, the historic authenticity. Bangkok's different. That's one of the reasons I want to come to Thailand. It's, it's very different because there's still a lot of that sort of raw, I guess, organic Asia. So yesterday, uh, I like walking. Most of the family likes walking. <laughs> Little one sometimes needs everyone carried on. But we just went on a, an, about a 6K walk through Beijing, through like, uh, where are we? Bangkok. I keep mixing them up. Through Bangkok. And we're going through like all of these little markets where if you've not been to Asia before, you've probably seen these on TVs or documentaries or things like this. But uh, it's just those really nice uh, sort of tight, narrow streets and all the tiny little stalls. And it just felt like kilometres of non-stop uh, crocs and handbags seemed very cheap <laughs> um, what else was there non-stop like our daughter wanted to get like hair clips it's like yes here's hair clips and you buy them in like a pack of 50 and they're like a few dollars or something like that and all of the sights and sounds and smells and and very very different ways of life so we kind of wanted them to, to see that food here is epic it's probably one of the best places in the world I've been for food it's just it is so consistently good and then the, the other bit of it is, uh, after we're here in, in ba Bangkok, no, I said Beijing again. <laughs> tomorrow, we're going to be heading off to Ireland. We're going to Krabi Island tomorrow uh, and Rayleigh Beach. And then it's just like resort lifestyle, right? Like awesome beaches and sand. And I've not been there before. Charlotte was there. She was there during the tsunami in 2004. So it'll be very interesting for her to go back now. But she had, a, I, I think, a memorable experience is the way to put her time in uh in thailand back then so anyway that's the that's the plan to try and get a combination of sort of culture and downtime we did get several hours by the pool yesterday the watch said when i jumped in the pool it was 32 degrees celsius which to me is just perfect outside at the moment what are we? it's 30 celsius heading up to about 34 high humidity i love this weather <laughs> i think it's just really really nice so that's uh that's beijing that's thailand Let's go on to the next thing. I want to talk about Insta360 Go 3. Now, first of all, full disclosure, they did send this to me. The relationship with Insta360, in fact, I've got my, my little bag of magic things here, started with this camera that I'm holding here. This is an Insta360 X3. This is the one that does the 360 videos. Now, the relationship started because earlier on in the year, I saw a video of a Ferrari F40 with, it almost looked like a drone shot from behind it. So something was tracking it, it was obviously attached, but you couldn't see any attachment or anything. And I just tweeted and I said, like, hey, does anyone know what camera was used to get this? Because I knew I was buying the McLaren at the time and the McLaren has the aero brake, you know, like the active aero on the wing that sort of pops up on the heavy brake. And I was like, that's gonna look so cool if I get video of that. And a bunch of people went, Insta360 X3, it's one of these. And I was like, oh, cool, sweet. I should probably consider one of those at some time in the future. And then, uh, I don't know if I've marked the lens there. 
it's just a reflection. Anyway, so Insta360 popped up and they said, hey, would you like us to send you one? And I just went through the usual thing of, uh, you know, look, here's my, uh, I have a little blog I wrote about. Here's the things I choose to endorse or talk about. And I basically went, look, you can send me one. I'm going to full disclosure the whole thing and tell everyone you sent it to me. And I'm going to say exactly what I think about it. And you don't get to see it first. There are brands. In fact, there's one in particular. And I'm not going to throw them under the bus. But there are brands out there that don't work that way. They'll say something to the effect of, we can send you one. You can use it. You can write stuff about it. We'll review that first. And then you send the stuff back. Now, the last time someone did that to me, (laughs) I said, this is just not going to work. This is not going to work. Because you lose all the authenticity and the transparency. I don't want anyone, A, reviewing what I write, or B, I don't know, there's just something something that feels shady as with that. Insta360 folks were cool, so they sent me this and I played with it. And I'm continuing to play with it, and in fact the reason I brought it away is I really want to try and use it more because this is an amazing camera, the 361. So recently, they popped up and they said, we'd like to send you something under embargo. It's called an Insta360 Go 3. Now, this is what it looks like. It's a tiny little white camera. In fact, it's very much the same size as a GoPro. I did bring my GoPro with me as well because I figure I've got time. The kids are getting old enough that they're sort of really enjoying to play with, you know, creating videos and stuff like that. So how does it actually look size-wise? Insta360 GoPro Hero 9. So it's a previous gen, because I think GoPro is up to Gen 10 now. The Insta360 Go 3, slightly smaller. That's the height, width, depth. Slightly, (laughs) they actually stick to each other. There's a magnet. Cool. Slightly smaller until you realize that the party trick with this with the Insta360 Go 3 is that you push a little button on the top here and this pops out because there's a tiny, tiny, tiny camera inside the chassis. Now this is all magnetized just to sort of give you a sense of, of how small this camera is. Like if I put it on my thumb, it is roughly the same size. If I put it behind my thumb, you really can't see it. It's basically the same size as it's the same size as like three quarters of my thumb. Like it's super, super, super tiny. Uh, and it is, I don't know, like I'm still having trouble like just getting over how cool this is because it's so incredibly small. Uh, let me go through the mechanical bits of it and then I'm going to bring up the spec sheet actually. I should look that up and get the details right. So everything is sort of magnetized. So this has a nice sort of resounding click into place. It charges from the chassis. You can see a little orange light is on. It has a screen which will flip up like that. So you can do like, you know, selfie facing if you want. You can film the whole thing in the case like this. There's a USB-C port here. This is splash proof, the case. The camera itself, I'll double check when we go into the specs, but it's waterproof, I believe, down about five meters. So you can use it in the pool, which is pretty cool. Putting it in this chassis is one thing. When you do that, it comes with a little dock like that. Uh, which will then, maybe goes the other way. Yeah, because it's all magnetized. The nice thing about being magnetized, it's a little bit like, uh, it's a little bit like the uh, charging for your phone. MagSafe, <laughs> completely brain farted from over there. It's a little bit like MagSafe, where when you put it into place, you get that resounding click. So 
you can dock it on like that. Uh, that'll sit on your desk. There's another one that has a standard thread for a camera mount just here. Uh, James says that's an awesome idea, which I assume is this. It's like, yes, it is. <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, so this one, in fact, this is cool because it has a combination of a thread for a camera tripod mount. And if you fold this down, it's the same mount as a GoPro. So you can fit it to all of your GoPro things. Like that. So I've got a bag full of various GoPro devices, which I have collected over many, many years, including things like, you know, for in the pool, etc. So this could mount to that, could mount to, if I pop it back off again, onto here. Now, I'm not sure that I'd really do that. And the main reason I wouldn't really do that is the value proposition for this is the little camera itself, the little detachable one that pops off. Like this, this is where the gold is, right? <laughs> like having this device on its own. So let me show you how to use this. A couple of different things you can do. So again, it's got a little magnet here. You can just see it on the back there. That can clip into a dock like this. Dock might not be the right word. Now, because it's magnet, it has to go a certain way. Bam, clips in. What do you do with this? Well, got my hat here for a reason, other than the fact I just haven't done my hair. <laughs> it's holiday hair. It can slide onto like the peak of your cap. All right, so check this out. I did post a video of me on the tennis court the other day with this. Now, once that's in place, we'll do that roughly like that. Bam, it's like first person view. And you don't look weird at all, <laughs> which is the best thing about it. But it's super, like it's, it's not gonna come off the hat, right? Uh, so that is really, really cool. That would be one thing. I think that's what I might, I might chuck on Ari's hat before we go and get the next tuk-tuk uh, <laughs> today because I think that would be a really, really cool thing. I'm just going to get uh, on my laptop over there, load up the specs in a sec. So you can pop it on there and again, magnetize so it pops off really, really easily. There's a necklace, <coughs> excuse me, it can pop onto. Now the idea of the necklace looks like this, is that you can then put that on, let's say, under your shirt or something like that. Maybe you think it looks too weird having one of these on your hat. That goes on there, you drop it into the shirt, and then, yoink, look at that, clip straight on. And again, like it holds perfectly. If it's not quite facing the right angle, and it is a bit fisheye, there's a little, uh, little one of these kind of wedges. So you can put that up your shirt, this video isn't getting weird at all. And the wedge can clip onto your shirt and now the whole thing's facing further up. How cool is that? <laughs> like it's just, it's really, really ingeniously cool. Now, get back to all the specs and things. Let's loosen this guy up a little bit. Uh, let me see. I'm gonna bring the laptop over here. Uh, I probably should have loaded this up first of all, shouldn't I? It was Insta. 360 go three one thing that does get a little bit odd with this is the branding because i was talking to charlotte about it before and it's like look i brought the insta 360 go three with me and she's like isn't that the 360 camera no it's not it's made by insta 360 but it's not 360. Yeah. james says i see metal plates on helmets to mount these coming to stores in our future they just created a standard everyone's going to copy and i think that uh, james is probably referring to that GoPro standard. 
The biggest issue I have with this mounting system is slippage. So for example, I've often put this on the jet ski, headed out into the ocean, and with all the slapping and bumping around, the thing slips. Now what Insta360 does, which I've never seen GoPro do, see if I can find these. They give you these little gaskets, uh, which is probably somewhere in my pile of things in here, which I'm not gonna find right now. Little rubber gaskets that you can put to try and help it stop to slip. But surely they could put like a serrated two sides. So when you put them together, they don't slip. Anyway, that's not what, uh, it's not what the GoPro mounting system does. Okay, so where are the specs on this? Specs on the official website now. Uh, let's skip all of that bit, get to the really cool bits. Uh, resolution from memory 2.7K, so 2560 pixels by 1440 pixels in 16 by 9 video resolution. Yep, it is 2.7K video, sorry, that was the photo res. Video res, yes, 2.7K, so 2720 by 1536. Uh, a whole bunch of different settings there, time-lapse, time-shift, slow motion, so on and so forth. It is MP4 video, does HDR stuff as well. Everything seems to be HDR these days too, which is cool. 80 megabit a second max bit rate, which is kind of impressive. And, and it does record onto this unit as well. When I played with this on the tennis court the other day, I posted some videos of it afterwards, but I found that if I got more than I want to say like five meters away from the dock, then the dock, which can normally show you what the video is seeing. In fact, if I turn it on now just for kicks, I'll see this. I think this Bluetooth from here to here. Now, I did just put on the charger as well, so it is possible that we, we do not have charge here, but let's just see what happens. Uh, all right, that sounded positive, connecting. There's me. That is crazy. That is so small. And there's you guys. Cool. Did charge. So, um, yeah, you get too far away from the dock and it will disconnect. What else was I going for here? Da -da. Power-wise or uh, battery-wise, I think, I think the specs I've seen, let's see if it's listed here. Oh, actually, storage, 32 gig, 64 gig, and 128 gig. From memory, it's all onboard storage too. There's not an external card, which I can kind of understand too, right? Because the thing is so, so tiny. Okay, I accidentally pressed the button. The thing's so tiny, you can't imagine actually inserting even a micro SD card into here. Plus then you got all the usual issues that using more space, uh, having other places where you can get water and so on in. Oh, I just realized something. This, does that clip onto there as well? Oh, how cool is that? <laughs> so the same mounting point for the bottom of the caddy is the same as the bottom for the camera. Uh, and as a really discreet camera that you might mount somewhere, that's, that's actually really cool. Because you could like, the car window or something. Very impressed with how good the sound quality is. In, incidentally, like the, as I said earlier, the condition for anyone sending me stuff like this is I get to say exactly what I like and don't like. And I will tell you something I don't like in just a moment. Uh, so if it feels like I'm waxing lyrical, I just genuinely think this is super, super cool. And that's actually a little rubber 
rubber mount that you can, I guess, stick to anything that's sticky. Look at that. Probably not the most ideal mounting position, like stuck to the watch, but you can see sticking that. Oh, gee, that really stuck well to the watch. No, it's off. You could see sticking that to like a car windscreen or something like that, which would be kind of cool. Oh, there you go. I did not know that was the same mounting. Uh, charging time. Action pod, 47 minutes to 80%, 65 minutes to 100%. The runtime, this is what we're after. The Go 3, which is just this little camera bit, 45 minutes. The Go 3 plus the Action Pod, because remember this can charge this, a little bit like AirPods, right? That has a runtime of 170 minutes. That's pretty good. It's nearly three hours with these two together. So like if you're out and about like we're gonna to be today, you're gonna to be popping this off the Action, action Pod, <laughs> get the nomenclature right, popping that off the Action Pod, putting this on your head or on your little necklace thing or something, cruising around getting shots, you know, five minutes of video, and then you drop that back into here and it charges up from the pod again, and then you keep going, which is pretty cool. Now let me see if I can find that waterproofing bit. Uh, obviously this will do the Wi-Fi thing as well, USB-C, we spoke about that. Where's the waterproof? IPX8 waterproof to 16 feet, which I think in modern numbers is, yes, five meters. Here we go. So five meters is probably as much as what you're gonna do, at least snorkeling anyway. Double the fun, record audio with two built-in mics. Just go and check out some of the videos and things I've done with this. Lots of uh, promotional videos of people putting them on your dog, which I think would be quite funny. I'm <laughs> just trying to think of like places you could use this where you just couldn't get video before. This is why I put it on when I was playing tennis the other day. Cause it's like, you know, I've done lots of video of tennis using one of these cameras, especially like where's my son's developing and you know, trying to get shots of him and be like standing on the side of the court. But there's something different when it's there, like right in your face, which is pretty cool. Okay, so uh, that is the Insta360 Go 3. Yes, I did get the full name right, which is not 360. Ah, oh, yes, the thing I didn't like. The hardware on this is amazing. I think the firmware and everything on the device is good. It's a little bit like the GoPro, and so far as there's so many different menu options, depending on whether you swipe left, swipe right, swipe up, swipe down. But I find the software on the mobile device, the editing software, clunky. Uh, uses the same app as the X3, the full 360 camera, but I just constantly find myself feeling confused in the app. And I don't know if I'm just getting old and <laughs> the kids these days will just nail it. That's what I should do. I should give it to my kids the Savo and go, okay, you've got to create some interesting video, some Thailand video. But it just feels like trying to do things like, uh, what was I trying to do the other day? Crop the video. So I had a, a, a section of video from the tennis and I wanted to crop out certain sections and join it back together, which to me is just like one I want of any video editing. I do that all the time, say with the DJI app for my drone. Uh, that seemed like something that should be super obvious and super easy and I really, really struggled with that. It wasn't clear. Maybe if I spend a bit more time with it, I'll be happy with it. But that's, that's my complaint at the moment, but that is a software thing. Assuming I'm right, that is also fairly easily fixable in the scheme of things. All right, under other things, let's go into some cyber stuff. Breach forums. Now, not the original breach forums, a clone of the breach forums. So <laughs> Ruby says, is it a honeypot? Is the Insta360 a honeypot? And it's just there 
monitoring all my things. Uh, I hope not. I hope not. Time will tell. Bridge forms. So, as I've mentioned before, there, uh, there have been a number of data breach forums out there. There have often, has often been a canonical data breach forum. So the one where so much of the data that's in your typical breaches, typical breaches being stuff that is the sort of thing that goes in a have I been pwned, usually taken either for lols or by fairly unsophisticated people trying to make some quick money out of it. Uh, it often ends up on one of these forums very, very quickly. Now, for many years, many years, couple of years, it was raid forums. Raid forum was very popular. That disappeared last year. It got repeat, re replaced, ugh, replaced by breach forums. Breach forums was very popular. That got taken down earlier this year uh, via the FBI and friends. It was very publicly, what's the right way? I guess it, it, it got a lot of publicity because it was a very active forum got taken down by the feds, and then the guy running it got arrested. From memory, the guy's name was Connor Fitzpatrick. Uh, traded under the name Pompom Purian. Pompom was very well known. Uh, as best, and I don't want to go for another tangent here, but I, I lament so much the fact that this was a young guy with life ahead of him who was obviously smart enough to be able to <laughs> he was smart enough to be able to run a forum like this. He seems to have some good technical capabilities, just not smart enough to get his OPSEC right. And the, the number of failures that Conor Fitzpatrick made in terms of keeping his OPSEC solid uh, does seem to be extensive. But anyway, the, the, the point is just a shame, like a young guy has been arrested. He will probably face jail time as a result of this. Uh, and at some point in time, he could have taken a different pathway and done something much more productive with his life. Be that as it may, tangential story, breach forums got taken down. Now, as it got taken down, obviously what's happening is people will flow from one marketplace to another. We see it with dark web marketplaces the whole time. You know, Silk Road disappears and we've got Alpha Bay and whatever else was there and then they disappear and other things come in. This is the natural flow where the elements who are interested in these things will just gravitate to the next one. So as breach forums got taken down, there was a lot of chatter on the likes of Telegram channels of will there be another breach forums and sure enough one stood up uh, it was a breach forums clone it was a very similar uh, tld it is actually still up and running so i won't give you the full url but it was a breach forums clone their data turned up the other day how much data was it something like four and a half thousand records which is really sort of small in the scheme of things but it's significant in that you've got a whole bunch of folks who were partaking in the exchanging of stolen data and obviously spending a lot of time doing things to disadvantage other people, which is, uh, which is not what we want at all on the web. Their data is in there. Now, just looking at the Have I Been Pwned tweet I did here. A clone of Breach Forum's hacking website was breached last week and 4,000 records exposed. Data included email and IP addresses, usernames and argon2 password hashes. 13% were already in Have I Been Pwned. Now, I was fascinated by that number because it is usually 50, 60, 70% of any normal data breach. And then particularly something that is a bit more, more tech-focused or infosec-focused, people tend to be a bit more aware of their security. And you see the same... Where was I going with that? That doesn't make sense. 
<laughs> I was going to say they tend to be a bit more aware of their security and then their subscribers. I'm on holiday mode. And then their subscribers uh, who then get notifications. But I, I think where I was going with this is, is ultimately the conclusion I've drawn is that only having 13% probably shows a lot of disposable email addresses that aren't reused other places. You'd expect people from an OPSEC perspective not to be reusing the same address that they used, let's say, in the RAID forums data breach, which is also in Have I Been Pwned, or in the LinkedIn breach because they've got their professional LinkedIn profile somehow associated now to their hacking account. So anyway, that was, in many ways, it's a bit of a non-event. I did see a little bit of uh, a little bit of press out there from folks who had gone through and like analyzed the IP addresses and figured out how many of them were from anonymization services versus you know, uh, unmasked IP addresses. I just don't think that there's a whole a whole lot of story here. What'll be interesting is when the next big one then gets popped, uh, and we actually see a large amount of data like we like we have in the past, and like we almost certainly will again in the future, because that is the natural flow of these things. Last thing, speaking about takedowns and FBI's, <laughs> I got a really really nice recognition from the FBI the other day. Uh, and I, I did actually get to spend time with someone from the FBI in, in person. And I was telling him this story the other night as well. But a, a lot of the, the things that I've started doing with law enforcement and with government agencies stems back to 2017. I was in London and I was doing a user group. And it was a massive user group. We had more than 2 million people there. So 2 million, geez, that would be a big one, wouldn't it? More than 200 people there. <laughs> <laughs> and just in case people listen to this, user groups are often number in the dozens, but this was in the hundreds. I think it was at Skills Matter when they were still around in London. Was that the name of it? I don't know. User groups kind of blur. But what I do remember about this one is it was massive, and I did my usual talk, and it's Q&A, and someone in the audience says, um, you know, hey, Troy, and this was, I, I think the Snowden stuff was pretty recent memory. They said, you know, the government stuff like aren't they all just out there to screw us you know isn't everyone just out there to get us and i said to this person this is in front of everyone else there in the audience as well so look in my experience every time i've met people from a law enforcement agency or any sort of government department working in infosec they're always first of all really lovely people that you just genuinely enjoy going and having a beer with or, or a chat they they are always extraordinarily professional and they're also getting paid a lot less than if they went and worked for private enterprise. And the reason why they're doing that is usually because they generally want to make a difference uh, and they want to make a difference in everyone's best interest. Yours and my best interest as well. We, we all get to benefit from law enforcement agencies doing what they do in the cyberspace. We would like to have our identities stolen less. Uh, we would like to have our bank accounts protected, like all of these things, not to mention all the stuff that they genuinely do do around the likes of everything from sexual predators to terrorists and all the rest of it. Like they play a really massively valuable role and the people in there are normal everyday people like you and me doing it in part for the love of wanting to make a difference. So anyway, I gave, I gave him mad props. <laughs> like I gave him really good feedback and afterwards, Someone from the NCSC, the National Cybersecurity Centre in the UK, came up and said, oh, thanks so much for that, man. Like, we just don't get enough love. I really appreciate the recognition. And that was the beginning of getting governments on board 
with free access to be able to search their government domains and have it been pwned. And, and from there, things have sort of escalated. And obviously, there's been a bunch of stuff I've done with the FBI, uh, hence this nice little recognition I'll talk about in a moment. Uh, also with the likes of the Australian Federal Police and the Dutch National High Tech Crimes Units, the NCA in the UK, uh, the French have got a great cyber setup there. Canadian, like everyone has got good departments that all of these organizations work very closely together as well. When you see takedowns like on, on breach forums or say Genesis Market back in April, we see the FBI alongside our AFP and the UK NCA and all these other organizations together. And everyone does a lot of information sharing, uh, which is good because we're all on the same team. We're all trying to tackle a global borderless problem. So the point I'm making is don't look at these people in an adversarial way. They're all really, really wonderful individuals. And what I got the other day, I just was pulling the tweet up then, and this is going, as we'd say in Australia, straight to the pool room. The Federal Bureau of Investigation expresses appreciation to Troy Hunt for exceptional service in the public interest, dated in April, signed off by a director at the FBI. Uh, and I got that, and I got some really cool challenge coins as well. Now, this one says Department of Justice, Federal Bureau of Investigation. Like, how cool is that? <laughs> uh, the other one, the photo I took wasn't particularly great. Uh, and to be honest, I barely even had a chance to look at this because I got this literally the night before I came away on holidays. It has been fun to see the responses <laughs> from people. Um, most of the responses extraordinarily positive. I've had a quarter of a million views of this tweet, actually, which is great. Uh, extraordinarily response, uh, responsible, extraordinarily positive responses. A few of them, and I'm sure these are tongue-in-cheek, are like, you know, that's going to have a listening device in it <laughs> or something like that. Uh, a few people calling me a narc, uh, which, again, I hope that that's sort of tongue-in-cheek. But no, just lots of... Lots of good feedback. And look, it, it, to sort of start to round this out, if I can uh, leave this on no other note other than the work that law enforcement agencies are doing is extraordinarily valuable. And the people there are anything but adversarial. They're wonderful. And one of the discussions I've been having a lot, and part of it relates to the tangent I just went off talking about Pom Pom Purim before as well. Every time I speak to these folks and we're talking about the sorts of people that I interact with every every single day that, that send me data, that are often exchanging it, sometimes they're the first party responsible for a breach. Consistently, law enforcement, they're, they're not wanting to lock these people up. They're really trying to find ways to not just stop it from happening in the first place, but trying to find ways to, to steer these people in the right direction as well. Uh, and on many of these recent discussions I've had with agencies, there's lots of talk about interventions. So if we see someone playing in a space that might not work out well, can we talk to them? Can we go and knock on the door and have a chat to their parents? Because often they're minors as well. Can we get them steered in the right direction? And it's, it's agencies wanting to help these, very often kids, uh, have, have a better life than the direction that they're going. So please think about, uh, about the FBI and co. Yeah, often I use that term, FBI and friends. <laughs> think about them as friends in, in a positive light. Ruby says, do you come to Bali? I went to Bali in September. Bali was awesome. Really enjoyed Bali. Uh, on to the next thing now. So, all right, folks, I'm going to wrap it up there. I'm going to be, I think I'm going to be in Phuket, actually, Friday next week. I know this is a Saturday. Yesterday just did not have the time to do it. I will do another one of these from somewhere here in Thailand. It'll be some, somewhere 
more exotic than Bangkok. It'll, it will see if we can do a beachside or something like that. So thanks for watching. Hope this works out okay using all the uh, traveling equipment and I'll see you in a week.